The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. I would venture to say that most of us go online to make a connection. And I think most of the time that is fueled by a sense of loneliness, right? We want to connect with other people. We feel like we want to reach out and maybe we're in our home or we're far away from our family and friends or we just don't have the energy to leave or contact. And social media seems like an easy way to do that, uh, an easy way to make a connection and reach out. But tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. You've spent some time scrolling through social media, maybe trying to connect with friends, messaging, you know, bouncing between one form to the other, and you don't feel connected, you feel even more lonely. This has definitely happened to me, especially now as my kids are getting older and they're moving out and my schedule is changing and I don't find myself um, in the throes of, of a phase of motherhood that was all-encompassing. I find that I, it's lonely. It's a lonely feeling not having all the noise and the chaos of five kids in the house. Now, this is a different kind of loneliness than I've felt in the past. And so it it feels weird because my social interactions with mothering five kids just naturally put me in many more social situations than I'm in now. And I don't think this is unusual. Throughout life, we have different sort of phases of life that lend itself to, you know, social situations or not, which lend us to connecting with friends or not. And so if you find yourself feeling lonely in one facet of life or another, you know, this is a time to stop and pause and consider the kind of communities that you have and the kind of communities you need. Now today, we're going to be talking about the kind of online communities that can really help us find the connections that we all need. I talked to an online activist as well as an author who has written about powerful online communities. And later on, you'll hear about how they see people finding connections on the internet. But first, I want to share with you my personal experience. Most dramatically in my life, I have felt really lonely when I was caring for my uh, terminally ill husband during the pandemic. It was such when I look back, it was such a dramatic time. I have to laugh because you couldn't even write this to make it up, right? Here, I have someone who can't even get a cold or or the flu, and we find ourselves in the middle of a global pandemic where everyone uh, is has really limited accesses to their social support systems. At that time, my husband was on hospice dealing with ALS, and... We couldn't even have our hospice nurse come in, let alone the therapists and the occupational therapists and the physical therapists and, and, and the people who helped keep him comfortable. So I was performing all of these caregiving duties, which were physically and emotionally taxing, while I was still a mom to the five kids that were at home. And I didn't have any of my support systems. I couldn't just have my friends pop on by and help me or neighbors, or healthcare professionals. And it was a really lonely time because the stakes were high. And it was so overwhelming that, of course, the thing that we had was 
our online communities, right? I would Zoom with people. I would use the Marco Polo app to video with my friends. I w- we would text all the time. And finding that like little connection to ease the loneliness is what got me through. I knew that I had lots of people who were there to support me, to give me the you know, really information that I needed, but also like love and support um, and a place to vent and a place to connect. And it was such a dramatic way to combat that loneliness that it's always stayed with me. I think online communities get a bad rap a lot of times, and rightfully so, for being less than ideal as an in-person interaction. But they also can be used in better ways than we're using them. And I really believe that. For me, it was a way to really connect when there were no other options. So sometimes I pause and wonder and think, okay, so are we really using these online communities in the best way that we can? And for me, I've seen the way that it works well. And so I would love to see all of us sort of lean into that a little bit more. For many people, they might not feel such an overwhelming sense of loneliness like I felt during the pandemic, but they do feel alone in narrower, more specific ways. For example, a person of color in a mostly white community might have a thriving social circle and familiar support system, but they might really still feel alone in that there are pieces of their lives that no one else around them really understands. I talked to Winter Storm, a poet, musician, and founder of the Black Utah Artists Collective, and she told me about how she finds community in a similar situation. I have been a published poet since eight years old. Um, I have been a drummer since 10 years old um, and just really dove into the art life um, as I turned into an adult. Um, Art just really took over my life. Um, But the power of social media, um, I know that there's no way that I ha- I could have had the reach um, that I have had to uh, be able to connect with other artists who are doing the same things that I'm doing, um, who are making the same strides that I'm making um, to really help build the artist community. Uh, there, There's no way that I could have reached as many people as we have. Um, we have almost 2,000 followers, Utah Black Artists Collective, and... We've only been uh, a collective for, this will be our, our third year in July. Oh, We're wow. We're celebrating our three-year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Uh, in July. Thank you so much. So I I know that there's no way that um, I could have reached as many Black artists in Utah. Um, there, I know that without the power of social media. I, I honestly thought that maybe there was only about uh, 10 artists that I would be able to connect to in Utah. And we have over 50 artists now that are a part of Utah Black Artists Collective um, that are professional artists out here that we've been able to reach, that reach out to us uh, via Facebook, that reach out to us via our Instagram. Winter and I talked about the summer of 2020 when footage of the murder of George Floyd by a police officer circulated on social media, causing an immeasurable impact on the country and even the world. I asked her what she thought would have happened without social media. Everyone would not have known what was going on. Um, 
it would have been something that we were able to keep quiet. And that's, again, that's a positive thing with social media. We shouldn't be keeping these things quiet. Um, they're happening in our world. That That's factual. These things are happening. For us to pretend like they're not happening, we we just can't. We can't be ignorant to those things, and that's, that's honestly what it is. Um, so even though we can't unsee that, that was something that was hard to see. It was something that was needed to be seen because it's, it's been happening for years, but no one's been talking about it. We've been able to keep it quiet. We've been able to keep it under the radar. Um, social media has made us talk about it. Social media has made us see the things that we don't want to see um, and be loud about the things that we've tried to keep quiet. So, um, again, I won't even say that that it was horrible what happened. It, it was, was so uncomfortable was, to watch, too, because goodness. you felt like you were—I felt like I was intruding on a private moment, but that needed to be seen. But the the pain that— Yeah. It was uncomfortable, and, and it's something that will stay with me, though, because it opened my eyes to something that I was ignorant about before. And that right there, what you just said. The, the power of social media, like it opened your eyes to something that you you didn't see before. And so I can't take that part in a negative light. It was horrible what happened. I will always say that. Mm-hmm. It's horrible that it's still happening um, every day. It's, this is still happening. But the light needs to be shed on it. And that's what social media is doing. Um, it's, it is. It's helping us with our activism. Um, I'm able to be connected to other activists in other states and talk about the challenges that we're having state to state and what we can do to help fix those challenges. So um, that's another way that social media and activism has been amazing. I really appreciate the way Winter describes what happened in 2020. While what was shown in the video was awful, it allowed many people, like myself, to learn more empathy for those who have felt isolated and alone in their experience as a Black person in America. And that empathy drives many to online communities and to activism, where that loneliness and hurt can be replaced with action and empowerment. Winter explained to me why activism is so important for all of us. I feel like that I I wish people knew that the reason that I'm doing this is for the bigger picture. Um, I feel like um, sometimes that with with activism, um, people kind of associate it, even activism, to something that's negative, and it's not. Um, Activism is about making a change, a big change for the bigger picture, for the community um, and our world as a whole. So I wish uh, the just the very minimum, I wish people would just see it as it's about making a change. It's about the bigger picture. Um, it's not one sided. It's yeah. honestly not. It's not. It's not a one sided thing. It's about um, equity uh, for all of us. That's that's really what it's about. Um, if they if people would keep equity at the forefront. I feel like we could be in a better place yeah. um, and people will be more open to want to come in and be a part of it um, and not see it as something negative because it's 
we should all want equity. Yeah, it benefits us all. I love the way Winner describes activism. We're really all trying to make the world a better place, so activism should be relevant to all of us, right? And the internet allows more of us to get involved in activism than we would have been, say, 30 years ago. I talked with author Todd Brewster, who has written about the connection between social media and racial justice. And he told me how interacting in online communities can help us create better and more equitable solutions for complicated societal problems. I've seen it in, in the work that Mark Lamont Hill and I did for this book, Seen and Unseen. We found that what was really kind of, I'm going to say this kind of a surprise, we, we approached the book, uh, and the book is about the, the recent um, racial turmoil and the role of technology in uh, um, promoting racial justice. Um, and I think we both knew from the start that there were communities that were being formed around through the internet, through social media, that, that could not have been formed before, as I just said. But what we didn't fully appreciate was the nature of the dialogue that happens on social media in particular, but on the internet more generally. And that was how it is kind of a, um, it, it's kind, it works as a kind of workshop where people have an idea that they advance and then someone else adds to that idea. And then someone else detracts from the idea that the person had just had, but reinforces the first idea. And over the course of a, a protracted conversation online in social media, new ideas emerge that are kind of the product of a community of multiple people who are thinking with their fingers and are arriving at solutions and ideas that they might not otherwise have been are able to arrive at, and then they certainly couldn't have arrived at as quickly as they do in social media um, without having that, that, um, that opportunity available to them. By interacting with new ideas and difficult information online, we can build love and empathy for each other. And by acting on that love through activism, create a better world for all of us. Now, while we're using social media to try and find solace and community in a big societal sense, we can't possibly talk about connecting on social media without talking about maybe the most common and personal way of finding community online, staying in touch with our family and friends. Winter told me about how she does this. Um, I have cousins. I'm originally from Illinois, mm -hmm. um, from East St. Louis, Illinois. I have cousins that... I can Snapchat now and say, I miss you. I just want to see your face. I haven't been to Illinois in probably um, almost a year now um, to visit, but I see my cousins like every other day. Um, and that, that means the world to me that I can be this far and see my cousins that I'm, I'm super close to. Um, and we can have a conversation. And yeah. We, we have kids now. I have a three-year-old. Um, some of my cousins have children. And we're not missing out on their lives. Um, we Snapchat, we FaceTime, and we get to watch them grow up um, just like we're right there next to each other. So That's the best part of it, I think. It's amazing. It's, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Um, thinking back to when we did not have social media, it's like, how would I have? 
Um, I would have I would have missed out on a lot of really important moments and memories mm-hmm. without social media. And I think that's something that we need to lean into um, is being grateful for social media and what it's afforded us to be able to do and the connections that it's allowed us to keep and have and continue to foster. It's an undervalued but super relevant part of our life online that, unlike the way things were 15 or 20 years ago, we can now effortlessly stay in touch with so many of our loved ones, no matter where they are in the world. These are the people that know us best and who can help us to feel safe and at peace with our place in the world. My friend Karina Whitey has also told me how this benefits her. I feel like I've found a lot of fantastic communities and made friendships and kept friendships that may have, you know, you know, lapsed due to time and space and just general everyday life and just being able to keep up with not just a core group of friends, but like that outer group of friends, like your college roommate that you don't get to see, you know, maybe once every couple years or maybe, you know, haven't seen them in a decade or friends who move far away or especially family who moves far away. I mean, the chance that we have to like, oh my gosh, that's what my nieces and nephews are up to. Oh, look at what they did today in Alaska. That's so fun. All of that stuff, just being able to maintain those relationships and keep them going, you know, that is to me the primary and best use of uh, social media, um, knowing what your sisters are up to and just keeping in track with your cousin. Or in my case, I have family overseas. And like, we, it's so expensive for them to call us. And, you know, there's sometimes a language barrier there. I speak their language, but they don't speak mine. And so just being able to see what they're doing and to share milestones in their lives and just, you know, get a peek of everyday lives and see how they live and how we live, I think is just so beneficial in keeping those relationships going. And then outside of family, also, I found a lot of specific community. You know, the, the friends I made through blogging, you know, we've kept those relationships and they've moved cro- across platforms from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram and like you have that same group of people that you've been following now for 15, 20 years in some cases and nurturing those relationships. You know, my first online relationships date back 30 years at this point. You know, these are people, some of them who live in on the East Coast or overseas in countries I've never been to, but maybe we met once, but we still keep in touch or that person you met at a conference that you just really clicked with and there they are. You guys keep up with each other now on some and you get to keep those friends. I, I, friends are really important to me. I love those relationships. They mean a lot to me. So for me, like building those communities online is really great. This was super relevant to me during the pandemic. I needed to laugh. I needed to connect with my friends. And I did through different kinds of apps. And I would just blatantly say like, please send me something funny, and they would. Or I'd say, I just need to talk for a minute, and we could instantly. I have collected friends from all over the world. It's one of the biggest blessings in my entire life. And it is not lost on me that the internet has created a way for us to be able to instantly talk, connect about important things. And Yes, it was very dramatically learned in the pandemic, but it still reminds me that that takes effort to reach out and to connect, but that we have the technology that makes it easy to do so. Unfortunately, along with all the good that can come from making connections online, I feel like we're often discouraged by how much negativity there is too. These antagonistic interactions can sometimes make us feel even more isolated than before. So what can we do? 
I asked Winter about her approach, and I just loved her attitude. I just, I expect people to be people. Um. <laughs> you don't expect them to be perfect. <laughs> I, expect, I expect people to be people. Um, yeah. And I try not to take things too personal. You know, I know that there are, there are hurtful things on social media all the time, but um, I just choose to try to look at the positive things. Um, our Instagram, our Facebook, we get to choose um, what we follow. We get to choose what we like. Um, and so it, if we're choosing the more positive things, if we're choosing to look at um, the motivational content, you know, like we we get to choose that content. Um, and I feel like it's it's just important to to continue to choose that. Um, I feel like it's important to not not overlook the negative, but be able to move past mm-hmm. the negative and see the positive. There's there's so much negativity in this world, but there's so much more positivity. There's so much more that we can just lean into. Yeah. Um, why not if you see something negative? Like honestly, if I see if I see something negative on TikTok, right? Um, mm-hmm. Instagram, whatever it be, I go and look for three more positive things. I go mm-hmm. and look for a motivational speech. It's that e- easy that we can search it. Mm-hmm. I that I go and look for those things. If something has been harmful or hurtful to me, I go and look for three positive things um, that can uplift me because it they're there. Yeah, that that they're they're there and they're waiting for us to search for them. Um, why not go and look for the meaningful things? Why not go and look for the things that you know are going to feed your soul and uplift you? There is so much connection and inspiration and empowerment to be found online. And even though there is so much negativity, with an intentional effort, we can create an online environment for ourselves that really helps us feel a little less alone and a little more hopeful. Karina shared with me one of the positive parts of her life online that means the most to her. I think one of the most incredible um, silver linings, benefits, you know, highlights of social media, I think, has been to really raise um, the experiences of, of people of color in our society and making those experiences and stories visible, you know, and just shouting out all the amazing black women and Hispanic women, brown women who have shared, you know, what it's like to go through their lives and experience a level of racism I'll never know, you know, just to very specific levels and learn from them and have my eyes open to the experiences of other people. And, you know, beyond even communities of color, just understanding that there's so many rich stories and experiences out there that you can, you know, to really start to learn and understand, um, you know, the greater humanity. And that is a way of participating in social media that um, I think can be such a huge benefit to expanding your horizons and starting to fight for your fellow brothers and sisters who are experiencing things you just don't. I mean, think about 
I think, for example, of a local conservation group that was able to pull together and alert the community that a beloved, you know, national, um, you know, a, a really uh, a natural place was under threat and bring people together from all walks of life and social classes and places in the community that could band together and say, hey, this is a place, let's all meet here. And these are ways for you to get involved. And like, I just love the fact that I can go on social media and have people say, hey, here are some things that your representatives um, are on the table of your representatives in Washington. And if you don't like what that is, or if you really like what that is, here's a number you can call right now. Here's a script you can use if you don't feel comfortable talking to your representatives. Like that level of activism, lowering those barriers to understanding what's happening and how to contact the people that represent you, all of those from local places to donate your time and services to, um, to regional, to national chances for you to make your voice heard. That is such an incredible aspect of social media that I've really appreciated. Through the course of this series, we've tried to tackle a lot of the complicated modern issues around living on the internet. And while we haven't necessarily solved these problems, my hope is that we can feel empowered to take the extra necessary steps to build a healthy life online. The extra steps to keep us and our kids safe, to be media literate, to be ourselves, and above all, to support and connect with each other. And if after all is said and done, you're feeling like you really don't know where to start, here's Winter's advice. Just dare to take the chance. That's the first step. Dare to take the chance to connect. Um, it, reach out to me. We should all care about that connection too. Um, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a missing piece as well. Um, yeah. If we all just started caring about one another, um, just just take it as simple as that. Just care about one another and wanting the best for one another. We really wanted to put together a series about your life online because there are so many discussions and, and problems associated with living on the internet that we haven't even considered. As a mom, I have looked back about when this all started and how I parented online and offline, and I'm really struck by the amount of fear and confusion that there is, especially among parents, like, are we doing it right or not? And regardless of our, our parental status, you know, whether we have little kids or older kids or no kids, I think we can all really relate to that feeling of feeling dissatisfied with this new technology and wondering, are we really using it to best serve us and our families and our communities? So I hope that throughout this series that you've taken the time to really stop and just be a little bit more intentional about why you're going online, what you're presenting and what you're seeing. And really with a discriminating eye, be able to take control of it, to use it how it best fits you and your family. And that may change over the time. And really in completing this entire series, I've reevaluated when I go online, why I'm going online. I'm a, a lot more aware and if it's effective or not. And I really appreciate that. And I'm able to have deeper discussions with my kids and my friends about when we take breaks or maybe also when I switch platforms or 
just not really feeling like I have to have loyalty to the online world, but that it needs to serve me in a, in a more personal way. That kind of intentionality has really improved my life online and in real life. I find that I'm less grumpy after I go on. I find that I'm more satisfied with the connections that I'm making, and it really does make a difference. So I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope you'll share it with your family and friends and that it will lead to deeper discussions about what's right for you and your family as well. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. The show is hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by McKay Menden and Becca Hurley with help from Tabitha Freitas, Michael Combs, Avery Stonely, and Victoria Rymington, with music and post production by Josh Fouts and Gracie Davis. Make sure you check out the Lisa Show Book Club. Every week, Lisa sits down with a guest to talk about a different section of Sherry Turkle's Alone Together. Find it wherever you get your podcasts or watch it on YouTube.